Hello, and welcome to Pre-Med Diaries, the place where you can come to safely and anonymously share your highs and lows on the journey to becoming a physician. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome, and thanks for listening. I am your host, Dr. Allison Gray. We created Pre-Med Diaries and the other Med Diaries podcasts so that physicians and physicians in training could have a place to speak our minds, vent, unload, and hear one another in support and solidarity. The pre-med journey is not easy, and there are many stressors, roadblocks, and frustrations, but also incredible joys, like that first time you get to shadow a physician, that first interview offer, or that first acceptance to medical school. Here at Pre-Med Diaries, we want to help you on this journey to avoid and deal with burnout, an ever-growing threat and serious problem for our physician community. And as a pre-med, it's never too early to start. In each episode, we will hear from a pre-med student, and I'll share some of my thoughts as well. We may also hear from others of you who have called in and left a response for the caller on a previous episode. Today, we will hear from a pre-med student who is working in the emergency department and feeling overwhelmed by the number of sick patients who need care. So, I'm a pre-med that works as a tech in the ER. Um, I'm still learning, so there's a lot that um, I don't know yet. But I just got my first Foley in the other day, and that was pretty exciting for me. Um, Lately, I've been having a really hard time with the pre-med path, though. Getting into the hospital and seeing the way staffing can be sometimes and seeing how many sick people have to be taken care of all the time, you know, it just seems like, it, it just seems too momentous sometimes. Like, there's so... There's just so many patients of such a high acuity, and it's like, it's just hard to, I I can just see why everyone's getting burnt out, and I just didn't know if anybody had any advice for once you get there, you know, what the ratios and things look like as a physician. So, thank you. All right. Well, thank you, caller, for calling in and sharing your story with us. It's wonderful to hear from you all each week. And thank you for your bravery in calling in. I want to wish you congratulations first on getting your first Foley catheter in. That's a big accomplishment. It really is. Whether it was on a man or a woman, it's a big deal either way. I remember my first Foley. And uh, that's a procedure that takes a lot of focus and it's often painful for the person who's getting it. So it, it takes a lot to get that done. And so congrats on that. That's a big deal. I love how you are expressing what's going on and you're noticing the reason that burnout happens even at the stage that you're at right now. I think that's that's huge. It's very introspective. It's very observant. And in terms of having trouble on the pre-med journey, I don't know if this is what the source of that is for you, but if this is a piece of it, then maybe I can share some thoughts to help. Of course, that's always my goal in addition to just being a place to listen to you guys. So in terms of feeling overwhelmed by the number of sick patients needing care all the time, you're exactly right. It really never stops. It probably differs quite a lot depending on where you're practicing medicine. So one of the things to think about is in an emergency department, especially if it's a level one or a level two trauma center, it's a very busy place. There's a lot going on and a lot of people need care all the time. If you think about 
a primary care outpatient office or a urology office or whatever kind of office, that could feel completely different. Geographically, it also makes a big difference where you're practicing. If you're out in some rural community where there are very few people, that's going to differ a lot from a very, very busy urban center. An academic center is going to vary as well. So or be different. So it really, I would say there's such a huge spectrum in the world of practicing medicine in terms of what the level of acuity is, how many patients are being seen, the the kind of care that's being offered. So I think keep that in, in your mind. If you find that you're more attracted to really busy environments as a pre-med and then a med student, that's something to take notice of because you'll want to gravitate toward things that will keep you happy as a physician. That's part of how we avoid burnout. But if you find that you don't like the busyness and the craze, if you will, of being in an environment with tons and tons of patients constantly all the time, which an emergency department sort of lends itself to, that's something that may shift your your interest over time towards something where maybe you're practicing, but there is just a different dynamic in terms of how many people are walking through that door. So that's one thing to think about. But in general, your point about there being so many sick patients needing care all of the time, it's you're, it's really something you're going to find in a certain sense anywhere you go, because by nature, our profession is one in which we will always have job security. You will always need physicians on this planet to help take care of people when they get sick. I don't think even with the way our world is changing with electronics and technology and artificial intelligence, I don't think there will ever be a time when like on Star Trek, you just use the tricorder and you just put it on someone and you figure out what's wrong with them. And that's, that's it. You'll always need human beings. I, that's my prediction at least because the human mind, I don't think, I I don't think a computer could ever replace both the human mind in terms of its capacity for knowledge and, and being able to practice medicine, but also bedside manner? How can you have a a computer and a robot provide empathy in the way that human beings can? Anyway, I digress. So the point being, (laughs) there will always be patients and there will always be a need for physicians to care for them. And the, the thing is that that can be in and of itself overwhelming. I remember as an intern, I used to be so determined to get people well, as well as they could be and get them discharged home or to rehab wherever they were going. And over time as an intern during my intern year, I would find that they seem to always come back. And initially, I found this to be incredibly frustrating because you would try and try and try and work so hard to get someone all the things they needed, whether from the right medicines and getting whatever process was going on with them healed, but also all the logistical things set up so that they could successfully be discharged. And then they would come back like a week later. And I used to wring my hair and say, right, why is this happening? Why, why? It feels like my work is just, it doesn't mean anything. It just, it's, it's a waste. They come right back. And what I had to learn was, well, we are people and people get sick. And sometimes, for example, with a smoker, a smoker will have a COPD exacerbation, meaning they have emphysema or chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. That's what COPD is. And they they have these exacerbations. It happens and it's going to happen over and over again. And so I had to change my mindset about the whole thing. I had to realize that okay, I do need to continue working hard to get my patients what they need, but I have to 
recognize the fact that that's not the end. That's not the goal. The goal is not to see them well and they're never going to come back and they're well for the rest of their lives. That's just not that that's not the goal. It can't be the goal because people are people. Human beings are going to get sick again and they're going to need help again. And of course, they're going to come back to the same hospital that knows them. Who knows them? That's what would make sense. So once I shifted that perspective and that mentality, I had a little bit more, I would say, or a little bit less burnout on the subject. I was able to say, okay, yeah, I know this guy. I've seen him again. Here he is. He's back. Let me, you know, it actually helped because I knew the person and I could, I had some continuity of care with them and their family. So I think that may help a little bit looking at this as, okay, there are lots of patients and they're always going to need help, but it's just sort of the nature of it. They're, they're going to come back and possibly over and over again, but it doesn't mean that you can't make a difference each time that they come and that you don't have an important role to play each time someone comes through the door. I like to think about medicine versus architecture. My sister's fiance is an architecture or an I shouldn't say architecture student anymore. He's finished. He's an architect. And medicine is so different from architecture, right? So I know nothing about architecture, but in my in my mind, architecture you have a goal. You're trying to build a building or buildings. And it doesn't hopefully keep breaking because if you build a building as an architect and it keeps breaking, you're probably not a very good architect. You've really failed. (laughs) But in medicine, human beings are not like buildings. We are going to keep breaking. So it's basically, I'm talking about this in a way that I just talked about a few minutes ago, but I like the analogy of it. Buildings are going to stand tall. Human beings will continue to break down over and over again and need help. And in medicine, that's what we're doing. We are fighting against this constant push of disease and accidents and mother nature and trying to keep people well and get them healed. So it's it's a very it's a very insurmountable barrier because you'll never heal everyone. You'll never fix everybody. You'll never fix them forever. But you can get them better, at least for a day, a week, a year, 10 years, however long it may be. And that that is an incredible thing. And it, it really truly is to have that privilege to do that for another human being. You also asked about ratios. And I think that's a really good thing to, to think about and talk about because sometimes if you, if you have numbers when you're thinking about how many people am I really going to have to take care of, it can actually help you in terms of uh, not worrying as much about what you're going to be faced with. So I remember as an intern, I had 10 patients and I thought, you know, let me just see what what's going on these days because things have changed. And of course, duty hours have changed multiple times since I was in, in training. And I thought, okay, well, why don't I just go to a website and see. So I actually pulled up the University of Washington and just looked at their residency program. And, and most residency programs are, I think actually all because it's part of uh, ACGME regulations or guidelines that there are admission caps. So when you're an intern or a resident and you are in the hospital and working, there are actually caps on the number of people that you can admit and the number of people that you can take care of. So on for the University of Washington, as an example, and this is probably a standard because it's the ACGME, which is the governing body for residency programs, makes things pretty much the same all across the board. So on their website, they talk about how a first-year resident or an intern, same thing, must not be responsible for admitting more than five new patients per admitting day. So that means that when you're admitting, you admit five new people tops. That's it. 
And you can't be assigned more than eight patients in a 48-hour period, and you can't be responsible for the ongoing care of more than 10 patients. So that actually hasn't changed much. When I was an intern, when Ryan was an intern, my husband, who I often talk about because he's the inspiration for this podcast, and he has a lot of podcasts himself. Anyhow, when we were interns, we had 10 patients tops. So that probably sounds like a lot because if you have 10 patients, all of whom have very acute illnesses, that can actually sound really crazy and overwhelming. But I promise you when you get to that stage as an intern, if you've worked hard in medical school and you've really applied yourself during your rotations and you've done what's called a sub-I or a sub-internship, you will be prepared to take that on. So if you're interested in learning more about ratios, I would encourage you to go online and you can just to think, to know for your future what what it looks like. Because if you're feeling burned out and overwhelmed and scared about what is in the future as you're on this pre-med path and thinking about medical school and beyond, it can help you to have some numbers and and just to think about. So that's a little bit about ratios. I hope that that maybe helps in terms of the, your worry because I uh, I know it it helped me when I when I started looking at numbers way back when. And I thought I would talk to you all a little bit about what the stressors are in terms of that patient load, if you will, when you look at things from the inpatient setting, but also the outpatient setting. So if you think about inpatient care, you have lots of very sick patients. And I think that one of the things that helps is a focus on prioritizing. And this is something that they will very likely teach you when you go through internship. Your mentors and your program director will teach you about this and your your junior and senior residents. There's something really, really important here about prioritizing. And that that's what helps you through your day. It helps you figure out, what do I need to do for all these 10 patients? How, where do I even start? So you can't do everything for all of them all at once. You obviously can't be in all 10 patient rooms. You can't take care of them all at the same time. And all of them are going to have different needs. And so on a typical day, as an example, you might get sign out from the night float, the person who was on the night before. And then you go and round and you see your patients or pre-round, we call it, before you, you meet up with your team. And then once you round, you go through all of your patients and you figure out, okay, what are the most pressing issues that I have to deal with today? And you literally make a priority list and then you knock them down one after another. And so it might seem straightforward, but when you're in the thick of it, it can be really stressful. And so having a system like that where you really learn to prioritize is what will guide you through that seemingly very overwhelming sea of very sick people that you have to take care of. So you will learn how to do that and you'll keep lists with you. I remember my program director in residency saying he was always nervous if he didn't see an intern carrying a list. If he saw interns running around the hospital and they didn't have a list with them, that was a a not good thing. And so all of us would have lists of our patients and lists of things we needed to do. And you will have that as well. As an attending I can tell you as a neurologist, for example, when I'm consulting in the hospital, it's just me. So I have a list of patients whom I'm consulting on. And how do I figure out who I need to see? Well, it's again, it's a matter of priority. So I'm I'm going to see the sickest patients first. I, I'm going to rush out and go see somebody who's having an acute stroke, obviously, because that's that's going to be the most acute thing going on. I remember in in residency, sometimes you would have three acute strokes going on at one point and you would you would have to figure out, well, who do I see first? But usually there will be a team of people to help you, hopefully. 
And so then you think about the outpatient realm. Well, what do you do there? There you have hundreds, maybe thousands of patients that you're taking care of. And how do you figure out how to deal with all of that? It's a, it's, it's exhausting. It's, it's a huge number of people that you're responsible for. So what do you do? Well, the nice thing about electronic medical records these days is that many of them are designed, even though they're, they're very much a source of burnout in and of themselves, they are there to help you. And they do have built-in tools to help you keep track of things. So it may feel like you have a hundred, a thousand, a million balls in the air, things that you need for your patients that they need from you. But actually having the EHR, it will send you labs and it will send you results and it will send you messages and, and it can have a system in place that prioritizes things for you. It gives you red flags about things that are urgent or things that are abnormal that you need to deal with. And you also can create your own systems for that as well and with your staff. And so on a typical day, for example, for me, I have to think about, okay, well, I have the series of patients whom I'm going to see and I need to get through each of those visits and provide what each of those patients need and do my charting. And then I need to handle all those other things, those emails and phone calls and results that need handling and messages from other physicians and staff. And so Again, it's uh, I, I tend to look at my phone calls first. Okay, somebody's calling. That's likely more urgent than an email. And then I get to my emails, and then I get to my results. So, it's again, I think like in every in anything in life, if you create systems for yourself, create priorities, that will help you so that it doesn't feel like this overwhelming ocean of of uh, sickness and and things that you need to do that you can't do all at once. <laughs> so that. That is something that I'm sure at every stage of your journey, you will figure out how to do as a pre-med, as a med student. And as your responsibilities grow, your systems will grow with them. The thing I want to leave you all with too at the end here is an old story that I love. I think about this story all the time and I don't remember when I first heard this story. I don't know if I was a child and my parents told me the story or if this was something that I found along the way on my pre-med journey. To be honest with you, I really I really don't know. But I've thought about this story in a lot of ways because of how I think about what matters to me in terms of contributing in the world and especially as my as a role um, or as my role as a physician in the world. So the story is from uh, someone by the name of Loren Isley. And he wrote uh, a story called The Star Thrower. And I'm going to read you a quote from that story. And, and it's, it, the, it's not really a quote. It's, it's, it is sort of the story, but it's, it's a snippet from it. And I'm going to read it to you, and then I'll just say a few words. And I think it, it has a lot to do with, with this whole topic of how do you deal with all of these patients? How, do you, how, how can you be one person against a sea of so many people who need help? So here's the story. Once on ancient Earth, there was a human boy walking along a beach. There had just been a storm, and starfish had been scattered along the sands. The boy knew the fish would die, so he began to fling the fish to the sea. But every time he threw a starfish, another would wash ashore. An old Earth man happened along and saw what the child was doing. He called out, Boy, what are you doing? Saving the starfish, replied the boy. But your attempts are useless, child. Every time you save one, another one returns, often the same one. You can't save them all, so why bother trying? Why does it matter anyway, called the old man. 
The boy thought about this for a while, a starfish in his hand, and he answered, Well, it matters to this one. And then he flung the starfish into the welcoming sea. And that's the end of the story. And I just love that, right? If you think about it, patients are kind of like fish on, on the sand who need to be thrown back into the sea. They need, they need our help. And we can't help them all at once. That's not our job. That's an impossible goal. We cannot help everybody all the time who is walking through our clinic doors, who is walking through our hospital emergency department doors. We can't. That's why we have teams. That's why we have shifts. That's why we have our whole physician and staff workforce and all of the people who are on that team with us. But it matters to each and every single patient that you help. And so I would encourage you, and this is something that I think about all the time, when you are with that patient who you are providing care to, you your focus is them, and that's what matters. And what you do for them, whether it's placing a Foley catheter, whether it is sitting with them and holding their hand while you're listening to them talk about how scared they are or sharing their fears about a new diagnosis or maybe they're telling you about their grandma and how they wish she was here with them. Whatever it is, whether you're you're explaining results, you are making a difference to that human being. And there's no greater thing in this world. I truly believe that than making a difference to another person. I, I think that's why I'm here and we all have our different thoughts about why we're on this planet. But regardless, if you're a physician, hopefully you're coming into this this profession, this calling because you want to make a difference to people. And I think about those starfish on that beach and I think about patients. And even if I can't help 20, 50, 100, whatever it is, I can help the person who I'm seeing that day, the person who I'm sitting with, the person who I am focused on in that moment. So caller, as you think about the overwhelm, you're so right. It is so easy to get overwhelmed by the number of sick people, the the number of people who are constantly needing our help. But I would encourage you to just in the moment, focus on the person who's in front of you because you will not ever even appreciate probably how much difference you can make to that individual just on, on any given day. That it's a profound difference that we all make to our patients when we focus in and we listen with them and we validate their experience and we help them. We may not cure them, but we are there to help them. So that's what I would leave you with. I hope you all enjoyed that story. And I hope, uh, thank you, caller, again, so much for for being brave and coming on and sharing. And I would encourage all of you to also come on our show and share what's going on in your life, whether it's something happy, something sad, whatever is going on, we we want you to, to come on and, and share. No feedback this week, and that's fine. If there's feedback, I'm happy to share it. And if there's not, that's okay too. I encourage you all to call in, whether you're, again, having a great moment, a not so great moment on this pre-med journey. Call in to Pre-Med Diaries by calling one eight three three my diary Again, that's one eight three three my diary And call in and press 1 to leave a message for pre-med diaries, to, to leave a diary entry. Or you can press 5, and 5 would be to leave feedback on a previous episode. If you do leave feedback, please let us know which episode you're referring to, either by number or just in description. But please call us and encourage your friends, your peers to call in and share with us what's going on in your pre-med world in your pre-med journey. 
we are here for you and with you and encourage you with whatever stage you're at and whatever you're facing to keep on, keep on keeping on because it matters what you're doing and we are rooting for you big time over here. So have a great week, you all, and I hope to, I will talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.